This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Tell us a little bit about how you have kind of through your own entrepreneurial efforts near uh, actually, you know, the the hook model that's in the book has organically kind of emerged from, you know, these efforts and your successes. Talk about how you have refined the model uh, as you've developed your analysis over time. Yeah, so, the, so the, you, you mentioned earlier how the model is based on a lot of uh, very uh, grounded psychology research, and that's that's really true. I, I was very conscious of uh, the replication crisis that's going right on right now in the psychology community. So I wanted, to, I didn't want any new studies. <laughs> I wanted, you know, thirty, forty, fifty-year-old research that yep. has been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, that's very tried and true, uh, operant conditioning mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, variable rewards, and these kind of things have been around for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. uh, since the nineteen forties and fifties. And so, what I wanted to do was to take this very old research that's been around forever uh, and and apply it to this new field, to this new age where products can uh, be built in such a way to create healthy habits. And that was really my intent. You know, I, I, I didn't, I've never worked for these companies, the, these, you know, the Amazons or Googles of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to learn from them so that I can unlock their secrets for everybody else, right? The, mm-hmm. the problem today mm-hmm. is that far too many products out there are just way too hard to use. Uh, there are <laughs> products that are used yes. one time and nobody ever wants to use again. Yes. So how amazing would it be if the products we use uh, in, our, in our day-to-day lives were things that not only built healthy habits in our lives, but also were products that we want to use as mm-hmm. opposed to feeling like we have to use them. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about this analysis, because it ties into the classic research on psychology, near, is the fact that you know it is kind of a, a, a positive way to kind of tap into something that could potentially be negative, right? So when you think about forming a habit, you know, this, you know, what I love about your analysis is like, you know, I, and it gives me sort of a, a point of caution and pause because yeah. it's like this can be used for bad and evil, right? <laughs> right? Absolutely. But you're like actually yeah, choosing to and like how. The reason I, I didn't, I was, you know, my publisher wanted me to, to title the book. How to build addictive products, and she said, "You know why? Why habit forming? Nobody calls things habit forming." I said, "No, no, no. You don't understand. There's a big difference between an addiction, which mm-hmm. is a, a behavior that is a compulsion that we do despite the harm, mm-hmm. versus a habit. Because habits, we have many good habits mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, what if we could make you know apps that that help people exercise more, or eat healthier, or be more productive at work? What if we made those products and services as engaging, using the psychology mm-hmm. that the big guys like Google and Facebook use. Mm-hmm. And, and what that's I, exactly what's happened. That's exactly, I mean, I love this idea, Anir, because uh, it, it really it sort of points to the, the power of the positive aspects of psychology and how those things can be sort of executed on, implemented within the strategic mindset and the framework to be able to actually bring joy, delight, and happiness into consumers' lives, yes? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the book is uh, just nearing its fifth anniversary, and uh, I've collected stories over the years of people who have reached out and told me how they've used the book. And uh, One company called Kahoot just went public in Norway. They're, a, nice. they're the largest educational software in the world mm-hmm. today, and they use the book to create these new habits in the classroom. Uh, I work with a company called Paga, which has brought millions of previously unbanked people in Africa online wow. and built new habits around uh, money uh, with, with, with people who had never had a banking account before. Uh, Bot is a company I just wrote about that, that uh, has 3 million installs that get people to have a habit of working out in the gym more. Nice. So there's a lot of ways we can use this stuff for good. I love, I love this idea. Take us a bit through more of, give us a bit, because you gave us the 30,000 foot view, Nir, when you talked about uh, the trigger, the action, the variable reward, and 
the investment. Take us a little bit deeper into into some of these areas so that we can get a little bit granular and tease the book a little yeah. bit more for, for our listeners out there. Yeah, I think you know, the, probably the, the, the first and foremost most important step to think about uh, is, is, has to do with the internal trigger. That's kind of the, the promised land. The promised land of a habit-forming product is to no longer require mm-hmm. the expensive advertising and the spammy marketing that's kind of the status quo today. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if Google had to spend money on ads to remind <laughs> you to use the product, they'd go out of business. They can't <laughs> right. afford to do that. Right. They have to build a habit or they die. Right. Uh, and, and, and so where we start typically is what's the itch? This is something that I think is far too frequently something that people in, in product design and development skip over. Mm-hmm. And we have to realize that every human behavior – Every human behavior, all motivation stems from just one place. And that place used to be, we used to think it's about the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. This is this Freud's pleasure principle. Mm-hmm. Turns out that's not true. It is totally not true. Mm-hmm. It turns out that neurologically speaking, it's pain all the way down. <laughs> everything we do, everything mm-hmm. we do, even the pursuit of pleasure, desire itself is painful. Wanting mm-hmm. is an urge. It's mm-hmm. a desire. It doesn't feel good. It's called the homeostatic response. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when, we're, when we're cold, we put on a coat. When we're hot, we take it off. When we're hungry, we feel hunger pangs to eat. Uh, when we're full, we're stuffed, we stop eating. Mm-hmm. So we have to realize that everything your customer does or your user does interacting with your product is, is uh, predicated through discomfort. Now, we never want to create that discomfort. We don't create internal triggers. Mm-hmm. We find them. I mean, I this see. is why I love my job, is because I get to solve people's pain. Right. <laughs> I'm kind of like a doctor here. <laughs> and, and that's what your product should do. And far too many product teams don't spend the time to understand what is our consumer's pain point on a psychological level. They, mm-hmm. they tend to be very superficial about the, the functional needs of the product. And the companies that really make it and really get their, their customers are the ones that understand on a psychological level what their customers need. Very, very cool stuff. I got to ask you this, uh, Dr. Eyal, since you're, uh, you know. Actually, uh, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, I love it because you're going to give a diagnosis for my, yeah, for exactly. my listeners out there uh, on this. Yeah, I love the example you used because uh, yeah, I was thinking about the, 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 this previous example with Bing versus Google, right? And they have done the research where they've shown when you, like you said, when you strip away the brand names, you get a different perception of what what's the best. So you let them actually try it out, and they actually can find that Bing is actually um, seen as a better performing search engine. Let's say, um, or just as good, yeah, or, or just as good, which is which is amazing. So help me, I'm Bing. So help yeah. me use the hook model, right? I mean, what am I doing yeah. wrong? How do I? Or is it the case that once someone comes in and nails it, you're just sort of you know shit out of luck? How does this yeah, work? Talk to me about that. That's a terrific question. So there are four ways to capture the competition's customer habit. You, starting from the place that this, these four opportunities are pretty rare, okay? So the, the, the beauty of a habit-forming product is if you have that habit, mm-hmm. you're in a great position because it's very hard for someone to change that habit. I mean, look at the case of Bing. You know, Bing used to pay people, literally pay people money <laughs> yes. for yes. you to search with That's how <laughs> desperate they were. Yes. And, it, and still it didn't work because people were so ingrained in their habits. And this is for all kinds of things. I mean, the, the, the studies find that about half of what you do every day Every decision you make, half will be purely out of habit, something Mm. done with little or no conscious thought. Mm -hmm. And that's a very hard thing to change, except for these four opportunities. The four opportunities are, number one, if you can send a user through the hook with faster velocity, 
So every once in a while, you find that there's an opportunity for someone to go through a trigger action reward investment faster mm. than the previous opportunity, the previous competitor. So mm-hmm. uh, if you look at, at Netflix versus Blockbuster, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix destroyed Blockbuster yes. because if you think about it, the internal trigger, when I came home from work and I just want to relax, I'm fatigued, I'm tired, I just want to relax with a good movie, think about all the steps to provide relief with Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. i got to go to the store, i got to find this, if there's a movie available, take out my card, pay for it, mm-hmm. come home, put the DVD in the machine. Mm-hmm. When Netflix came out and just mailed you the red envelopes, we're not even talking about how easy it is to use today, but right, right. now that it's streaming, but mm-hmm. even, you know, a few years ago when they would send you those red envelopes, think about how much easier it is to satisfy that craving for relaxation, to, to scratch that internal trigger mm-hmm. when the envelope is right there on your countertop. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. much easier. So that was an opportunity for great greater velocity through the hook. Mm-hmm. Number two is greater frequency through the hook. So if you can become a product that engages the user more frequently throughout their day, that's another opportunity. So gotcha. one of the reasons that, that Facebook had to buy Instagram was that Facebook was built for a desktop-first interface, mm-hmm. whereas Instagram was always mobile-first. And what Zuckerberg realized one day was that people were using Instagram more frequently right. because it was on a mobile device than they were using Facebook. And that was a big threat to his habit. So he had to buy Instagram. And I remember actually, as a side note, when he bought Instagram, everybody in the Valley laughed. A billion dollars for this stupid photo app. I can't, you know, what a, what a rip-off. What a, he, he way overpaid. Mm-hmm. You know, now Instagram has been valued at $100 billion. It's probably the deal of the, of the century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the second way. Mm-hmm. You can figure out a way. And this typically happens when there's some kind of interface change. Got it. When there's the, you know, when technology becomes more ubiquitous, that's when the um, new market entrants can beat the incumbents because of greater frequency of use. Gotcha. The third way is to make the reward more rewarding. So every once in a while, remember that third step of the hook, every once in a while you'll get a product that just finds a way to scratch the itch way better mm-hmm. than a previous version. That doesn't happen often. Uh, uh, Harvard Business Review had this study where they found the, the reward can't just be a little bit better. It has to be nine times better to escape that inertia of a habit. But it does happen every once in a while. And then finally, the last Mm -hmm. way, the fourth way, Mm -hmm. is easier entry into the hook. So uh, a few years ago, uh, Microsoft Office used to be the most widely used enterprise software. Today, it's not. Today, the most widely used enterprise software is Google Docs. Mm. Well, the way they captured that market, the way they changed this very entrenched habit of Microsoft Office was that Google Docs was way easier to start using. It was no software. It was all in the cloud, it. and it was free. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you were a startup or if you were a college student and you just needed to use a, a spreadsheet or a, a word processor, getting into the habit of using Google Docs was just way easier than using Microsoft Office. Gotcha. So those are the four ways. It's greater velocity, greater frequency, make the reward more rewarding, or easier entry into the hook. Those are your four opportunities. But again, they don't come around often. Gotcha. This is very, very cool. Nir Ayal, thanks so much for coming on the show with us tonight. Oh, my real pleasure. Thank you so much. Listeners, you can find out more about Nir at Nir and Far. <laughs> I got what you did there, sir. It's spelled N-I-R-A-N-D-F-A-R dot com. Or you can just follow him on Twitter at N-I-R-E-Y-A-L. Listeners, if you're enjoying this as a podcast, remember that our show, Marketing Matters, we air live on Sirius XM Channel 132 every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. And we replay Saturdays at midnight, Sundays 8 to 10 p.m. and Mondays 2 to 4 a.m. 
For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.